We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of 21 Questions, the question and answer show for the Kansas City Sports Network. And all the questions come from our Discord channel. If you want to ask us a question and you are not on the Discord channel, first of all, you should be if you're a subscriber. If you're not, ping me on that. And if you're not a subscriber, now is the time. It is $30 a year we are doing some of the best film breakdowns in another fact you know, for the chiefs we have this discord that's an awesome community that has literally everything that you could talk about it's not just chiefs it's everything and you get to participate in the my first game campaign with the boys and girls club of the greater kansas city area sending two kids to arrowhead for the very first time every single home game oh And by the way, you have an opportunity to win two tickets of your own to every single game. It's a whole lot of stuff that happens for subscribing. With me today is my good pal, Maddie Lane. Maddie, my friend, I'm so glad to get to see you again since we've been missing you in, you know, previous weeks here. How are we doing on this fine evening? But it's, I think, been over a month since I've done uh, a 21 <laughs> questions. You guys kept taking them all before, like, I could jump on them. So uh, that was cool. So it's it's been a minute since uh, since I've been on one of these bad boys. And then, you know, coming off vacation, things things are good. It's always a little hectic getting back into the, uh, the hang of things when you go on a 10-day vacation where you go yeah. to, like, three different places that would all be vacations on their own. Uh, it was a long one. Um, so I'm recovering, but I'm back. I'm here. Um, I'm also watching the NBA draft as we record this. So like, you Mm -hmm. know, if I'm ever sidetracked, if I'm ever looking off screen or get excited, it probably means the Charlotte Hornets drafted AJ Griffin out of Duke. Um, so that's what we're hoping for. Fingers crossed. There, there you go. Wait, and hold on. I know it's been a minute since I've been on here. Do you not sing anymore? Are we done with the singing? Yeah. What is this? 
We're, I feel we killed the singing. We killed Who's the we? singing. Who's this we? Listen, I wasn't involved in this we. Kent came in and did his version of oh, what I do. Hollywood. And the Hollywood. man the man puts me to shame. Uh, also, also there's, there's a little something coming. So we'll, we'll, we'll get into that in a couple more weeks here. And I just, I did it for over a year. I figured it was time to, to put the damn thing to bed. So False. I don't sing anymore. People buddy. disagree. <laughs> no, no, they don't. I promise you they don't. All right. Let's get to the questions. Again, these are all coming from Discord. So if you want to ask them, subscribe, get on the KCSN Discord. Mike Denny asks, with the knowledge that we now have, what is one free agency move that you would change retroactively, Maddie? Can this go back to paying Joe Tooney left tackle money? No. And spending it on the defensive this end? Off season. Oh, this okay. off-season. Sorry. Sorry. Um, I don't know. I I guess I wish the Chiefs would have got the Tyree Kill stuff done quicker so that they could have gone went out and got Avon Miller or a Chandler Jones. I don't know if they really wanted to pay that much for those guys that might have been a hard limit whether they had the funds or not but it seems just cloudy enough on the timeline that they may not have had the funds available when they would have needed them to land one of those two guys so that's what i would change bringing in a veteran pass rusher like chandler jones like von miller that could come in and play opposite of frank clark and give the chiefs kind of a three-headed pass rush off the edge rather than the one and a half whatever they have now wait 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 who's the half i i are, are you both, willing to they're both <laughs> losing weight at an alarming rate um actually for carl office it's not alarming it's like uh it's applauding it's an applauding weight loss so i guess yeah. i guess frank is the half right now and this is that's i don't let him know that i i'm afraid i <laughs> okay so let me ask you this question if the chiefs would have gotten the tyree kill trade done early enough how would you have been mad if they would have topped the dolphins for emmanuel Ogba? remember that's 16.35 million dollars a year for emmanuel Ogba. would that make you feel a little bit better along with the Karloftis move oh i don't think so um okay. i think i don't know if i think Ogba's worth that much money i think that was one of those that i was surprised he got that much so I don't I don't think so. I think that's about where I would have drawn the line. I don't think that he's on that same level as a Chandler Jones, and they're ro- making roughly the same per year. I get he's younger. He's a little bit more of a long-term option, but I just don't know if he's that level. So and for the Dolphins, they're paying that much money for a guy that I think is at, at best a secondary pass rusher. He might have been more of a tertiary pass rusher. That's a hard pill to swallow. So I think if they went that route, I don't know if it would even be – it might be worse. Mm, okay. Okay. I, I was just thinking I was trying to think of the other younger pass rushers that got deals and uh was the one that jumped to mind there. So I mean, eh, it is what it is here. All right, Mike in Sweden. What is your most unexpected cut on the 53 man roster? This one's a tough one. I'm I'm gonna go with one of the fairly established offensive linemen that Andy Reid has kept through several different iterations of this offensive line. I think Darian Kennard is going to make the roster. I think Lucas Niang is going to be the swing tackle at the very least. I think Andrew Wiley is going to stick around. 
but you could convince me that Nick Allegretti, a player that has been very valuable to this team, don't get me wrong, is a little bit on the outside looking in with all the depth that they've built up, and the positional value that they're seeing in some of this other stuff. So I think it's, it's going to be one of those offensive linemen that's filled in a lot and played a lot of snaps for the past couple of years that's just going to see himself on the other side of the cut line. I, yeah, do they have another backup? Am I blanking? They brought Austin Ryder back, correct? They did. did he, okay, they did. so there's your said so that's that's who I was missing. Um, that that's a good one. But then they then they cut Austin Ryder once this offseason already, and then brought him back. So like, I I don't right. think that it's necessarily going to be Austin um, Ryder. Okay, here's here's a little bit of a surprise one, Noah Gray, because. I think we're all kind of falling in love with this Chiefs wide receiver room, and we don't know how that's going to shake out. So will the Chiefs maybe keep the top end of their receiver level? Will they keep a full-on six wide receivers this year? And if they keep a full-on six wide receivers, are they going to keep four running backs? Are they going to keep four tight ends? Are they going to keep four of both? Noah Gray, what he does, I think you can make the easiest thing to say, Jody Fortson, Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS, and others can accomplish essentially what he's doing more so than you probably can say the same thing about a Jarek McKinnon or maybe it's a Justin Watson at this point in time just for special teams value. Whatever it may be, I think Noah Gray's, what he brings might be the most replaceable out of every player on all three skill offensive skill positions. You are going to make our buddy Nate Tice very sad. I, Nate I like it loves too. Noah Gray. I love Noah Gray too. But if I mean, you honestly, I would say <laughs> I Jody, get it. No, I would say Jody Fortson. But last year, Jody Fortson showed more I, than I, Noah Gray I think did. Jody Fortson's about as close to a lock as you can get right? in that tight so, end room. Like if they feel good about his health and his development, like I think you could almost be comfortable with those three, knowing that you have some bigger, more physical receivers yeah. in MVS and Juju that can accomplish a lot of the same second level blocking stuff to the same level as Noah Gray. Mm, man, that would be that would be interesting. Boy, I how much crap does Brett Veach catch for that one? Even though it's a day three guy, like I think there was just a lot of hype around that one. Hmm. Um, Joe Penfield asks our, our Royals guy here asked not a question, but I need one observation about the Royals from each of you. Maddie, you start you since you're apparently the king of this. I haven't watched a single pitch of baseball since I was last in Kansas City for the NFL draft. And I gave my uh, <laughs> Royals takes um, one observation about the Royals. People are very mad um, that they are bad and that they don't seem to understand that they're bad. I don't know. I see a lot of hate for their not coach. Um, what do they call it? A baseball manager, I guess their manager. There's a lot of disdain for whoever the Royals manager is not like coming up front and saying, Hey, we know we're bad. Here's all of our young guys. Let's play. But I, people seem upset with how he's handling their badness. Yeah, I see a little bit of that on Twitter as well. I I have to give a take from the last time that I genuinely watched baseball with any regularity. Bo Jackson's really good at this, you guys. I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. He does some spectacular stuff on the field. So that's my that's my Royals assessment right there. Isaac Hugh, if you could add Mahomes to any Chiefs team since 2002, that's the past 20 years, which team is most likely to win the Super Bowl with that addition alone. I love that question, and I know what mine is. Now, do you know what yours is? Because I can go um, first here. 
Yeah. I mean, Patrick Mahomes on essentially any of those Alex Smith led teams is probably a very dangerous option. Um, I'm trying to think back of when the chiefs. I, okay. No, I take that back. I take that back. Um, I don't remember the exact year cause I'm bad about this stuff, but our year that the chiefs had great offense went into the playoffs and lost to Indianapolis Colts um, in the, in the, the playoff game there against like the worst rushing defense put Mahomes on that team. I understand the quarterback play wasn't abysmal necessarily for the chiefs then, but it could have been that much better. And you're going to take what was the league's, I think best offense that year, one of the best offenses that year and make them absolutely the best. So like, I think that would have been fun. And you get to transport him into that era of football that has no idea how to deal with player of his, like just gifts. I think that would be fun to watch. Mine is pretty easy. It's 2015. Um, I know Bob Sutton gets a lot of hate, but that defense was number three in points allowed in 2015. Went into the playoffs. They skunked the Houston Texans in the first round and then lost 20 to 27 against the Patriots in, you know, in the second round there. Give me Mahomes on that team. You know, I, I, Listen, it, it, it's not like the weapons were like elite or anything like that. It was, you know, Jason Avant, Albert Wilson, Chris Conley. And yeah, there was Macklin and Kelsey were part of it. But there was enough there. There was enough there to where you could put Mahomes on that team with the best defense of Bob Sutton era. And I, I think you could get somewhere with that with that team. I think you got a shot at one of the Super Bowl there. All right. Um We've got the Abe Froman. What wide receiver do you think has the best chance of not making the 53? Or as he frames it, who is going to lose their job to Marcus Kemp? <laughs> I mean, it's Justin Ross based purely on a special teams factor, I guess, right? Like we've talked about this all offseason. How many wide receivers can you have that won't play special teams? And you already got McCole mm -hmm. Hardman's not doing anything on special teams about being a returner. MVS hasn't played special teams since he was a rookie, I believe. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster, same thing. So there's three guys that aren't playing special teams. Sky Moore, maybe you get him to play some special teams, but that's a second round pick. I don't know how much yeah, you're going to be forcing him to play a lot of it. And then now all of a sudden, like now you're into the guys have to play special teams to make this roster. And you're looking at Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman, Justin Ross, like that whole trio of guys probably isn't playing a lot of special teams. Kemp's going to need a spot. This is where I think Justin Watson maybe gets a spot. Darius Fountain comes in because he's played special teams. Like you're going to need your wide receiver five and six. If you keep six to be special teams players, that's, that's where I think it's got to be. Yeah. And Keith McLean actually asked that question. Does Justin Ross make the 53? So there, there you go. That that's the that's the avenue for him not making the 53. I will argue this. I think that Josh Gordon or Justin Ross is going to make this team. I think that they're going to keep one of those bigger guys. And so I do think that they'll probably bet on Justin Ross being there. So I'll go Josh Gordon, but it's for the exact same reasons. A guy that's not going to play a ton of special teams, a guy that's not going to contribute in all of those phases. You are just getting him on the field because of his size, his ability to go up and get the ball, winning contested catch situations, things like that. Although Justin Ross obviously has huge upside if he can be healthy. So I think that they're going to gamble and keep him in that scenario. But same sort of reason, you know, it's not special teams. <laughs> so the other guy is going to be gone. 
Right. And I, Andy, I, I agree with you. Yeah, like, I would say, I, I think they do keep one of them. If I were to guess, it's just if I had to pick a specific guy that was going to lose his job to Kemp, mm-hmm. I'm going to take a non special teamer. So I would say the big guy. Because, and absolutely. Maybe, Maybe they awkwardly feel comfortable with only one wide receiver who's a special teams, like a full time special oh. teams player, and then it becomes Kemp or Watson. And I maybe I doesn't seem very Toby, but like that's the only other option I think. Man, yeah, it do, it doesn't. But I mean, we've talked we talked about that a little bit. They're gonna have to lean on that secondary heavy if they don't have any wide receivers going there. And I mean, they got a lot of guys that could. I, they're you can keep a lot of young guys and play special teams over there in the secondary. And, you know, we saw them bring back Chris LeMond's. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there with special teams. All right. Andy Nagel. Mahomes has grown each season. Last year, it was his willingness to take the check down or the smaller play. What do you see as the growth that he makes this season? This is a good one because I feel like he's continually improved in a lot of stuff. I do agree that he took the shorter stuff a lot better last year and he kind of adjusted that. I think we're going to continue to see him improve his pocket presence. Um, you saw it grow immensely last year as well, trying, you know, making a concerted effort not to drop too deep with the kind of tackles that they had and the way that Andy Heck likes those guys to play. So I think that you're going to see him feel a little more comfortable in the pocket going to feel a little more comfortable stepping up and through like he has. And then, you know, maybe take advantage of the fact that they've spent all these assets on offensive line. They've got a good group of guys. Trust them a little more to be able to stay put for a little while longer, read the field. And then if you got to bail, bail then. But, you know, don't don't just start, you know, seeing ghosts out there and, and running out of clean pockets. I think, I guess, I don't know if it's growth or just, and I think you guys talked about this a lot with Nate Tice earlier this week, getting to see Patrick Mahomes throw the ball towards the sideline a little bit more and just watch him develop there. Like, I think there's a little bit of a split is do the chiefs not throw the ball over there that much because it doesn't, it's not as efficient for the system. And thus you just don't see it happen often. And then you include the player type and it's just not a good play for the chiefs. Or is it something that Mahomes maybe isn't great at? And I don't think there's a physical limitation, but he also going back to Texas Tech has never been a guy to throw a lot of rail shots, as Kent likes to call them, down the sideline. That's just never been not a lot of back shoulders, not a lot of these honey hole shots that Gruden likes to talk about. Like that's not been his game. I'm not saying he's bad at it, but maybe that is an area where he does not throw to as accurately as before. So seeing his growth throwing to these bigger receivers, some of these guys that may actually operate a little bit better in those scenarios and in those spots on top of having an off season to adjust the offense, to attack those areas. Cause that's where teams were trying to force them. I would love to see him come out and all of a sudden look like a above average, you know, player or quarterback throwing out there. Cause right now the few that we have, I'd say he's probably been about average at best mm-hmm. throwing under those. And like you compare that to Aaron Rodgers is the best, but some of the back shoulder throws that Aaron Rodgers makes on the sideline are absurd. Like, Oh, absolutely. the placement is ludicrous on Rodgers' oh, back throws. Back absurd. Shoulder throws. Yeah. And like, yeah. Just getting Mahomes even partway there because you know he has the physical gifts would go mm-hmm. so far. And now he has the weapons to do it. And if the Chiefs can incorporate that and then let him showcase the ability to do it, I think that would actually be pretty substantial growth because I think it's one small area of his game that we don't talk about enough of a potential weakness of being a guy throwing outside the numbers, not just deep downfield. Right. And I, it makes me wonder 
if it's just one of those things, you don't have the reps, so you're not working on it because you're not going to throw a back shoulder to Demarcus Robinson, Tyree Kill, McCole Hardman. That's just not their skill set. Like it doesn't it doesn't make sense to be doing that sort of stuff to those types of guys. Now all of a sudden you've equipped your wide receiver room with an arsenal of guys that could do that. So maybe you just see that. Maybe just the reps will be there. It, so. Drew Clark, what's your go-to stadium food order? I don't know the last time I ate food in a stadium, Maddie. Could he, I I think all the times that I've been to a stadium with you. Oh, well, I take that back. We ate at the Golden Knights game, didn't we? Did we? we? Did. Did we? Yeah, I know. Yeah, Do Tucker and I don't remember. No, uh, uh, we did. They had the um. There was the burritos, correct? Yeah, yeah. Those yeah. are those are pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So just, my go-to orders a burrito. I guess so. I mean, yeah. Most most of the times it, it, it's beer. Like <laughs> that's my that's my food order is, right. is beer. But like, I don't typically like when I go to Arrowhead, I make sure to load up outside because the food that I'm getting in the parking lot is infinitely better than anything inside arrowhead that's not dunking on arrowhead's food choices it's more praising the fine people in kansas city who know how to tailgate so i, I will say you know. some new stadiums they're getting some like real restaurant type things like the the i'm not saying it was a gourmet burrito but we went to the golden knights game and it was yeah. a it was a good little fine overpriced but fine little meal to yeah. have that tasted you know good so like you get some of these newer stadiums they are trying to incorporate higher end food choices and then charging you $24 for like 450 calories. All right, Maddie, this one's specifically for you. Uh This is from our good buddy Bearcat. Oh no. Matthew, if you could only pick one of short shorts or tank tops to wear for the rest of your life and the other, you could never wear again, which would you choose? Also, no mattering the answer, no cutoffs, whether that be jeans or shirts will be allowed either. I'm offended that you would ask me this, Bear, and I'm especially offended that you would tell me that I was going to Maddie answer this. Um, but I'm also going to Maddie answer it. <laughs> I'm taking the short shorts because they're the most comfortable thing. And most places, most, not all, like I'll wear a tank top if I'm going out to a grocery store or whatever. I have no problem with that in the summer. But I can live with doing a t-shirt for that. Most of the time that I'm wearing a tank top or a cutoff shirt, I can just be shirtless. Like I could just go shirtless. I can't go pay like the society doesn't let me go pantsless yet. Like we're not there. We're getting close. <laughs> I think but we're not there yet. So like I take the short shorts, the 95% of the time that I would have a tank top on, I'm going to be, you know, around my house or at like a pool or somewhere where it's acceptable just to be shirtless anyway. So like, I'll have to live there. I'll be upset. I will dislike you. Ooh, I can continue to wear like the short sleeve button ups. And just have it completely unbuttoned too. did a lot of that on the cruise. So like I can just have the full, Look at you, full find it all the loopholes. This is full uh, open up. So I missed all the loopholes that you bring to not just 21 questions, but games and our podcasts in general. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Mike Denny asks, are there any differences in play call slash coverage concepts in nickel when you have three safeties versus three cornerbacks and i assume he's not talking about like you know you're just like kicking a safety down into a slot or something like that because largely no that's why like if you follow some of the stuff that i'm writing right now i I use the term apex defender a lot because that's what coaches use a lot because that apex defender could be anything it could be a slot it could be a safety could be you know linebacker anything like that so they try and keep things generic so you're still running a lot of the same coverages regardless of your personnel. So let's go under the assumption that we're talking about a traditional nickel versus using some of these three safety sets that we've started to see in the, you know, in the college ranks NFL lately, Maddie, what you think? I don't, I'm trying to think about it, right? Cause I don't know if there is going to be significant, if you are going with a true three safety Look, if you are going with a true, like if you're playing three safeties like, for the same thing, I don't like know a Matt Campbell, Iowa State three safety sort of thing. Like, okay, that. Yeah. now if that's the route we're going, I think that changes a little bit else too. Because that's not unless you're no longer okay. nickel most of the time, unless you're going. True. Like, I, it's getting a little, it's getting a little confusing, okay. right? All right, okay. so yeah, if you just have three safeties, I'm assuming you're still just a nickel. So we're talking, I mean five defensive backs here so just three of them happen to be safeties any team that does that is gonna their safety their third safety is gonna be a slot capable defender it's gonna be correct tyron matthew circa 2019 regardless and then your coverage calls don't change at all because you're just gonna have him play that exact same role you can maybe add a few more invert type looks especially utilizing the slot steve spagnolo has gotten great at doing that and i think it is no like Strange, no coincidence that Tyron Matthew, Kendall Fuller, Legarius Sneed, all these guys have played a lot of slot, played some safety at some point in time as well, because like they can do a lot of these things. Um, so I don't know if there's a huge difference just besides maybe getting to add a few more of these slot invert type of stuff. If you want to go into like the dime and then start talking about a true mm-hmm. three safety defense versus a traditional dime defense, then things I do start think start to change a little bit because now you play cover three or you're going to play some variation of quarter quarter half and you were going to have a lot more over the top help from the pre-snap position and everybody gets to play top down so then things change but in terms of the nickel i don't think much does 
I mean, I I think people like look at I, I know a lot of like our, our buddies at the athletic that we've heard talk about, you know, all these defenses and scheme shifts and stuff like that. Like they look at the Chargers and the addition of JT Woods there. And the thing that like jumps out to guys like Deontay Lee is, man, they're going to play, you know, they're going to play uh, they're going to play, you know, a safety in the box all the time. Derwin James is going to be your box guy and he's going to be a little bit you know, capable of flexing to the slot if you need him to, or he can play kind of more in the middle of the park, knowing that he can fit against the run and things like that. It, it does change some of the behaviors that you can do there for certain in those sorts of things. And so like, let's relate it to the chiefs here. If you've got Juan Thornhill and Justin Reed that can both play, you know, in deep halves can both kick down into the slot. And then you've got a guy like Brian cook who reads well from deep, but also can play up there in the slot, play in the box a little more as a bigger guy. Now, all of a sudden it, it allows you the flexibility maybe to play more quarters, maybe to play more, you know, and have those guys aggressively fill match the number two from deep or, you know, work with the safeties or work with the corners on some of that stuff as well. So I could see that the coverage calls could shift a little bit in those instances. But like Maddie's saying, that might just be out of dime that we start seeing a little bit more of that, you know, or, you know, certain teams that you're going to see, you know, maybe you get to play your nickel a little bit lighter than you would with playing, you know, a guy like Nick Bolton and Willie Gay on the field because Steve Spagnuolo is always, 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 always going to want to aggressively fit the run as well as he can. So, yeah. Lay Tony 44. If the Chiefs theoretically had the number one pick in next year's draft, what type of trade offer would the Chiefs have to get to trade out and not draft Will Anderson? I don't think that there is one. For me, Maddie, I I genuinely don't think that there's anything that could be offered to me that would get me to not select Will Anderson. I think he's that special of a player. I want young Nick Bosa plus the 49ers first round pick and their first round pick in 2024. So like they can, no, no, no sorry, 2025. I'll let them keep their next one, but then they got to give me the one after that. So I'm getting two first round picks. And Nick Bosa, I don't care if I had to pay him because he's really darn good. But that that's oh, trade yeah. offer number one I'm accepting. Trade offer two, Kayvon Thibodeau and the Giants' next two first-round picks. I would also <laughs> accept that um, as compensation to not draft Will Anderson. So that that's it. That's all. That's where I draw the line, though. But that's all of it. Like, we, we spend a lot of time, like, every single year, people are like, oh, yeah, this defensive end, he's the next Miles Garrett, he's the next dude, you know, and all that. And a lot of times, he's not. Like, especially, like, last year when we talked about all these guys, like, Trevor Walker's not that guy. Kayvon's not that guy. They're good players, don't get me wrong, but they're not that guy. <laughs> Will Anderson is that dude. Like, I mean, last year for Alabama, in that rotation, beating all these other guys to the punch, playing against good SEC teams, had 17 and a half sacks and 31 tackles for loss. Like, I don't like those are the sort of gaudy stats that you see somebody in Conference USA put up, and everybody's like, Ooh, I don't know, he might be a really good player. This dude is playing for Bama in the SEC, putting up those kind of numbers as a sophomore. Like, a ludicrous, ludicrous talent. I, I I don't know that I'd accept either one of your trades, Maddie. I think I'm staying put. Okay. 
I, I, I'm taking the Nick Bosa one for sure. Yeah, okay. I, I would the Nick Bosa one would give me plenty of pause. Like I, 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 I would genuinely think about that one for a little while. But the Giants can keep Thibodeau. I'm taking Will Anderson. Steve Gray between Sneed and McDuffie, who should play in the slot and sub packages? They each bring different strengths to that spot. So I'm curious where you stand on it. Seems like Spags doesn't normally do this. But would there be any advantage to rotating them based on matchups? For instance, he says McDuffie versus Renfro or Sneed versus power slots or versus run heavy teams. I like the thought. I do. I I mean, I, I think we're starting to see shifts in defensive philosophies, certainly out of the slot. Like I we don't see as many small slot players anymore, and we uh, don't see as many small slot receivers anymore. Everybody's going big. Everybody's trying to push for bigger, you know, more physical dudes from that slot position that Chiefs included. So, yeah, if you wanted to tell me that Legereus Sneed should be in there because he's built to handle those kinds of guys and built to fit the run against those types of teams, absolutely. I'm on board with it. And then, yeah, against the Raiders when Renfro's in there, sure, put Trent McDuffie on him. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, that'd be, I'd be all for that. Switch him up around, move him around a little bit. I'm torn on this because I think Legereus' need profile, I've said from the, we've all kind of said from the beginning, fits better on the outside. That's where mm-hmm. he theoretically should be better. And then now you get Trent McDuffie, who theoretically his profile should fit better as a slot. Yeah. The thing, though, is Legereus Sneed has been so impactful from the slot with his blitzing and with some of his plays versus the run and how he seems to understand what they're having him do. I don't know if removing him from that situation to play him at outside corner allows him to be as impactful as he has been um, so far through his first two years. And I think that's a big part of it. I think to do that, you would immediately come in and not saying not only is Trent McDuffie going to cover as well as Snead, which I think he would from the slot, mm-hmm. but he's going to make the same level of plays versus the run and as a blitzer. And that's kind of where my worry starts to come in. And not that McDuffie's bad in either one of those things. Right. He's just, smaller he just simply is smaller so will he be as good as steve who's been great in some of those areas that's where my concern would come in like to craig's point though if they got comfortable with both of them playing inside and outside and they just wanted to go hunt matchups between though even just those two not even whoever's going to play across from them that's fine with me heck you would have just played matches this entire team i just would put lonnie johnson on whoever the x is and just have him throw hands and then i can have trent mcduffie take whoever the quickest receiver is and then little jerry steed is taking you know the best deep threat or you know combo guy with the size of your typical z receiver let's have at it like let's do that all day i don't know if steve spagnola has done that much though that's just something that a lot of defensive coordinators don't do unless you have jalen ramsey who is capable of essentially locking down anybody at any given time ramsey's a unicorn though he's a unicorn this brings me back we're I'm going to ask you this question because I got asked it last week in 21 questions. You weren't here for it. OKR asked us last week, Matt and Craig seem to have more faith in Trent McDuffie than they do in Spags' ability to use him. Gentlemen, am I getting an incorrect vibe? I said, no, I I do think that Spags is going to be able to use him. It's the size element is kind of the thing. I didn't want to put words in your mouth there. Do you have anything additionally kind of uh, that? That's obviously my abridged version of that. But, you know, do you have anything additionally to that? Are you worried about Spags' usage of him? No, I don't think I'm worried about it. I just, I guess the, the holdup is how much will be changed for him 
specifically. And if that's the case, was that threat? If they have to change everything for one player, and it's not everything, it would just be a lot of the coverage concepts to one side of the field. But if they have to change that much, is it really was it really worth it to make that trade up and that pick at that point in time? You're starting to straddle the line of okay, maybe this fit was just so far out of the norm that you shouldn't have done it. Now I don't think it'll be that bad, but Steve Spagnuolo does have to do like he has to adjust some things. He has to not ask Trent McDuffie to play like Trevarius Ward. If he goes out there and asks him to play like Trevarius Ward, it's not going to work that well. Do I think he'll do that? No, but you kind of have to see it first before you're willing to say, okay, he's not going to be pressing 63% of the time or whatever the Chiefs did last year. All right, Casey from KCS, do you think the Chiefs make an impact trade before the season starts? I don't. I really don't. I I think that any opportunity to do so would have happened already, um, especially if it's like a major move. Now, again, this is knock on wood barring a major injury that occurs in preseason or something like that. But I, I don't, I think that they're either done or they're going to wait for cut downs or like a minor trade. He's put major clearly in here because he knows, you know, (laughs) they may trade an offensive line or running back or something like that. You know, we've, we've seen those minor moves from beach, but now I don't think that they're going to make another major trade before we get to the start of the season. Yeah, big Bob Quinn, come on down. It's happening. Oh. Speak it into the universe. Hey, listen, I will gladly eat my words there. Gladly eat my words if that means that he's going to show up here. Gooby35, how, if at all, do you think this offseason would have looked different if the Chiefs didn't collapse in the AFC Championship game, Maddie? Yeah, um, it would look, I think it would be a lot different, actually. Um I think you would still have okay. Let's walk this back. I don't know if the Chiefs would beat the Rams in the Super Bowl if they did not collapse against the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't know if the Chiefs. Were, I don't know if I'm willing to say the Chiefs were playing at the level that the Rams were at that point in time. Could they? Absolutely. I just don't know. I don't feel like the last time when the Chiefs lost to the Patriots going into the Super Bowl, where I was like, oh no, the Chiefs were going to smoke the Rams if they played that Super Bowl. <laughs> don't feel that way at all this time. Like, right, right? I think the Rams looked a little bit better down the stretch. So I maybe things still wouldn't have changed. Maybe they, that choke job still would have happened. Maybe the same difficulty still would have happened in the Super Bowl. However, there's a chance it didn't, and Tyreek Hill may not be wanting to get out and go find his own voice somewhere else. Uh, you might not have all the same amount of veterans out the door because clearly somebody or something rallied together to make this work. Would Mike Kafka be gone? Which means mm. would Matt Nagy be back? Like, just there's a lot of dominoes that could have fall fallen because of what happened. And it doesn't matter how hard the entire regular season is and your first couple playoff games are. If you guys all come together to win the Super Bowl, brushes a lot of that under the rug. I've said it before. I think on one of these podcasts, and I'll say it again. The Seattle Seahawks won a Super Bowl where like 75% of the team would not talk to Golden Tate. They literally would not talk to him because they hated him. And they won the Super Bowl. Now, he did end up getting jettisoned out. But like there's a lot of inter-team stuff that can go away if you win a Super Bowl. So if they went and won a Super Bowl, they might have been running it back for another year. They really might have been with obvious changes. But like they might have kept a lot of the same core together. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. Tyron Matthews probably still here because that means that, you know, the defense played well enough and especially if they win the Super Bowl. Holy crap. Yeah. Like you're, you're going to jettison a guy that came in and then in three years won the team 
two Super Bowls and took him to another one, like on and was the leader of the defense, that's a guy that you're probably keeping. Like, you know, there's there's it would be a difficult PR move. And I I could see them sticking with some more players. Now, I like the moves that they did this offseason. I like the way that they've built it by and large. I mean, defensive end is still a question mark, but they had so many holes. There was going to be something that we were going to be a little bit iffy on. And I, I think that it's potentially trending the right way there. But I, I do think that we would have seen more established veterans stick around because, again, you make three Super Bowls in three years. Like, you, you're the kings of the AFC. You're just – you're on top. Why shake it up any more than you have to? Obviously, you let dudes go when the contracts are huge and things like that. You, you restructure the guys that you need to. But you're going to largely keep the same core because it's working, because something is working for you. So the fact that they didn't means that they kind of did a little mini reset here. So it's a it's an interesting thought that you know one half of football may have changed it pretty drastically there. No chicken tonight asks any interest in Indomitian Sue. I'd kind of rather him be on our team than him trying to maim our quarterback in another Super Bowl. Oh yay! No, I'd have no problem bringing in Sue at this point in time. Well, wait, did he? I thought he may have signed. Did he not sign? No, he just teased the the Las Vegas looks kind of good to him. Ah, okay. So, um, yeah. I, I I would not mind it. I think he still can play a little bit, but I've stated it before. I don't need to spend any significant money on it. I'd rather roll money over than pay another defensive tackle because you don't build the defensive line through your defensive tackles. Unless you run a three, four with Brandon Staley's, you know, two gap system and you, and then even still you have Joey Bosa and you trade for Khalil Mack anyway, but like, right. <laughs> you just don't do it. I don't think you spend any significant money to do that. So like, I'm not against it, but like, I have no need to go chase him down either. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of the same way. If he, if he's here, I'm going to be excited about it, but it's probably also going to be cheap enough to where like, I'm not going to be upset about any sort of signing like that. And yeah, I'm, Fine with him being in the rotation. He'd be an upgrade for certain. Mike Denny, at the end of the season, the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. We're looking back, and it's because one guy had the best year of his career. Who is that guy? It's Justin Reed. Um, For me, it's Justin Reed. Because if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, I have a feeling there's going to be a significant contribution from the defense. I think we're going to see a general shift. Yes, physicality, the way that they tackle, the way that they play, the tenacity and everything like that. But that secondary is going to be so young. It's going to be incredibly young this offseason. And it appears that Justin Reed and Juan Thornhill are the guys that are leading it. And Justin Reed, we've seen on an arc. He's been a very good safety in the NFL so far this season. If they win a Super Bowl, that means the defense played well. That means the secondary played well enough. Justin Reed is going to have to ball out for that to happen. So I, I think that it's him. Good one. Um, my question is, if he has a career year, can they mm -hmm. still not win the Super Bowl? I mean, yeah, he's, he's a safety. Like, listen, I... <laughs> <laughs> okay, Patrick Mahomes yeah. is the answer. If Patrick oh, Mahomes I mean, has a career year, they win the Super Bowl. That's the only that's answer. Cheating. We have here. I feel like I'm talking to Kent here. That's okay. cheating. Travis Kelsey. <laughs> okay, now I'm talking to Maddie. Now, now I know who I'm talking to. Um, I just I think that's the one. I mean, I, I the other one I could give 
if Chris Jones or Frank Clark have a career year because both of them have had very good years. Like both of them, not their careers have been good, but they both have had very, very, very good highs. We're talking like right there, first team all pro or right there on the doorstep. If they can somehow top that this year, I think that would go a long way into the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. I actually would almost border on the edge of saying, especially Chris Jones, who was dominant a few years ago. If he tops that season this year, yeah, the Chiefs will win the Super Bowl because of, or in a large part because of that. Frank Clark has a little bit more room to grow up and above his best year, but still, if you get like prime best year Frank Clark all of a sudden this season, that's good. That would be huge. Like that would be really hard for this uh, team to lose short of the Super Bowl. Oh man. Yeah, for certain. All right. Uh, Will Yoder asks, are there any content providers for other NFL teams that you guys follow slash recommend for quality and in-depth analysis similar to yours? Well, first of all, Will, thank you. That, that's that's very kind. Um, from a general NFL perspective, like we mentioned two of them, Nate Tice and Deontay Lee that are both yeah. for the athletic. Now, I, just not only are they just exceptional football minds, they are so good at translating it down to where I can understand it. And that's uh, that's awesome the, that you have people like that. Um, I Mark, Mark Schofield uh, does quarterback stuff for uh, USA Today. Like, uh, awesome job doing all that. Our guy, Zach Hicks, over with the Colts, does, does a great job as well. Uh, Joe Rolls from the Denver Broncos does a great job as well. I, Matty, you have any more? I, I know I'm leaving out tons of people here. I'm just blanking right now. I believe Steven Ruiz is writing yes. for the, the ringer, ringer now. Yeah. Um, that's I enjoy his stuff. Benjamin Solak also at the ringer now. Both of them, I'll read a lot of that stuff coming from them. Um, I think that's kind of the big ones right now in the offseason. Like ask again during the year when I'm consuming mm -hmm. a lot more football stuff, and I might have you know I'll have a few more like team specific ones. Like I'm so checked out on listening to a lot of football stuff right now that it's hard to bring them all. In. Like I'm trying to turn off the football side of my head right now. So I don't have a lot more besides the ones we've mentioned currently. Yeah. Uh, no chicken tonight. As another one here, does moving Brendan Daly around the defense suggest he's the logical successor to Steve Spagnolo? That is interesting because they've really kind of pushed him pretty hard. Impressors uh, this offseason said, you know, oh, he wants to learn the learn a lot, kind of the same way that Greg Lewis wanted to learn a lot. I will say this. It definitely seemed like they were super excited to get Joe Cullen. And so that makes me more think that, like, not that Brendan Daly doesn't want to move to linebacker. Don't get me wrong, or that they think that he's not going to do a good job of that, like DJ talked about. He's been the run game coordinator. <laughs> Translating the linebacker is going to be all right. He's going to be fine. But I, I, I think that if Joe Cullen wasn't available, we might still see Brendan Daly as the defensive line coach. And so I, I think that I'm not sure if that is a correlation or not, but that being said, when they hired the staff a few years back, we did say that Brendan Daly, probably the guy that's going to take over if Spags moved along or retired or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I don't, I'm a little torn on this one. I don't think you, I think you can easily make the case that the Chiefs defensive line has probably underperformed a little bit since Daly has taken over. Um, so I don't know if it's necessarily 
it definitely has not been framed as any kind of demotion or we're moving you because we like somebody better. It's been set up as he wants to take on a new challenge. That's going to be the linebacker position this year. And it's not like he has no experience working with that kind of groups. Like I get the change, especially now when you are essentially overhauling that entire unit, both of those units really coming up. So I get it. I don't know if this says anything about him being a Steve Spagnuolo replacement, though. I don't. I think if they thought of that, if the if they were going to make him like that was his goal of being the replacement, they probably would have found a way to add another just title to him and not move him positions. And I don't have we seen is he still the run game coordinator? Yes, he is still he is, the run okay. game coordinator. They kept yeah. all of that with him. So, so I mean, just, he kept his title. That means yeah. something. It does. It, it does. does. But you know, I don't. We'll see. We'll, we'll see here a little bit. I will say I won't lay the entire defensive line underperformance at his feet there. I, I mean, the, the guy that they spent the most money on has been hurt or, you know, has had health problems for most of the time that he's been here. And then there are other superstar played defensive end for part of one of the season. So there there's, there's been some motion around. So, I mean, like, I can see the linebackers coming out and playing really well and then them just being like, yep, Brendan Daly's the future. And we knew it, and that's exactly what we were trying to do here. So I, I can see it definitely spun that way. Julian K asks, what is your most controversial music take? He suggests his is that the talking heads are overrated and borderline unlistenable. First of all, False Julian K. I mean that that is very controversial. I will fight you on that one. Um, do you got one, Maddie, off the top of your head? <laughs> you said talking heads, and I thought we were talking about like people on ESPN or NFL Network for a second. It took me a minute <laughs> probably, to remember we we're talking you have about no music. Idea. We, I have we need no to idea who the talking heads are. Music podcast where my I play music for Maddie and he doesn't know any of it. My controversial take is Drake is trash. You guys just like him because the beat sounds good and he says nothing of value or depth or anything that makes any sense. It just sounds good if you aren't actually listening to just have on in the background so he somehow confused billions of people that he makes good music. He's made the exact same album since his second one and you all just eat it up year after year when all he does is change like two words of a song you're gonna and now guess what you guys all just went and listened you're gonna tell me oh no i'm wrong this song's different but yeah you still had to go listen to know the words were different because every single one sounds the same drake is awful uh all right here's my most controversial music take the foo fighters are a way better band than nirvana was uh dave grohl's leading the group is a better musical band. I like the music significantly better. I understand the cultural impact of Nirvana and all of that. I'm not trying to deny that, but they are a better band than Nirvana. Whew, that's going to, all the 90 ki 90s kids are going to come after me for that one. All right, no chicken tonight. We're going to close this out with what training camp position group battle are you looking forward to the most? Maddie, training camp schedule came out where KCSN is talking internally about maybe maybe when we're we're meeting up, we'll let you know when, when that's coming, when maybe all of us are gonna be around. But what you're most excited to see? 
So the thing with training camp battles is you got to pick ones that matter, right? Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if you can see cornerback battle. You can't see linebacker battles at all or running back at all. Like, a lot of positions you can't safeties. But, you know, you're kind of looking at the trenches. And so, like, I'll, I'll leave the defensive side for Craig. I'll just say right tackle. I guess it's not even the most exciting because I think it's kind of like a drop in the bucket at this point in time. But I'm at least interested to see who's going to come away from that with, you know, the the lead. Like, it was pretty obvious last year that Creed Humphrey, who was already named a starter, and then Trey Smith were the best center and right guard that they had available you can kind of start to see stuff from certain positions. Like that right tackle battle with Lucas Yang, Darian Kennard, Andrew Wiley. I do think training camp is an area where we can get a little bit of answers there, just who looks better and who's getting the reps. Like that's, I guess, the most intriguing one to me. I mean, I I took it as like battle, like offense versus defense. So I'm going to play that. I'm going to play it that way. But you're right. Like he probably meant it that way, but I took it this way. I think that George Karloftis versus Darian Kennard is going to end in fights, multiple, with an S, because I think George Karloftis is going to keep coming, and he's going to grow in, you know, more and more aggressive with the way that he is attacking the right tackle position. If that is Darian Kennard over there, he seems like a man who does not suffer for that sort of stuff. And we'll try and put him in the dirt several times. I think the two of them are going to scrap, not like in a bad way, in a training camp way, where there are constantly guys like that that are going to sit and yap at each other and get in each other's grills and stuff like that. It just happens. I think that that's going to happen between those two rookies. And I am so excited to see it because I think that's going to fit both of their personality really well. Now, I know you said we're getting out of here on that question, but we're not. I got one. That okay. I think I'm going to be on the next few 21 questions. So I want to submit it in person while I'm here. Okay. I need you to tell me who you, myself, Kent, and Tucker are if we were the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, man. Okay. Now, if Kent uh, was here, he would accuse me of already coming up with my list, and I have not. I purposely have not thought about this so I can also provide my answers. I thought of the question. Man. And then I decided to not even give it any thought until oh, I got, got to it. Ask it. Okay. Like I got it immediately. So I feel Perfect. that confident about it. Because BJ Splinter, like we know that. Yeah, yeah, no, BJ Splinter. I mean, I And you gotta pick Tucker, turtles, like no, no Casey Jones, because like sure, sure, I would sure, fight sure, sure. you to be Yeah, Casey I'm not Jones. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go there. Tucker's Michelangelo. <laughs> Dude's out here to have fun. Having a great time. Tucker is Michelangelo. Yep. Absolutely Michelangelo. I know you like if that's that's the only thing, that's the only hard yes. Like anything else, yeah. we can probably go anywhere else, but Tucker has sure, to be sure, Michelangelo. No, sure. he's Michelangelo. Hard, hard yes. <laughs> um, I think that I think that Kent is Leonardo. Kent is typically the host yep. of the pod. He's the one sure. that typically speaks out and he gets, you know, he's Hollywood. He gets all the TV opportunities and stuff like that. He's he's the quote unquote face of some of that like you know leonardo gets to be gets all the lines and stuff like that so i'll say that kent is leonardo which means that you and i have to fight between donatello and Raphael. um i mean donatello i hate to even play into this stereotype but donatello (laughs) is like the one that like He's the smart one. He's the one that knows everything. That's not what I was going to say. That has been engineers things. He does all the. So I gotta take. I gotta take Donatello. And honestly, Raph kind of fits you. (laughs) Yeah, the the not as intelligent one that just likes to you know like do the physically active things. 
I mean, the physically active part is what I was leaning on, but definitely not the not as intelligent thing. That's not, you put words in my mouth. This, as you started talking, this is actually pretty easy. Like, cause it does align pretty well. Like it aligns for the only thing it's missing is like Leonardo needs like a much better like hairpiece and product yeah. for it. But like, if that was the case, like it would be a perfect, like, yeah, it, this is probably the easiest one of these I've done. I'll come but Leonardo needs like worse food taste than like the rest of it's the turtles. It's kind of hard to have bad food taste when all you eat is cheese pizza, though. I know. Although it's, I guess yeah. cheese pizza in itself is a pretty questionable food taste. So. That's true. There you go. It fits. <laughs> it fits in right there. Matt, is that is that what you're going to go with? Yeah, I think so. I okay. think this was actually, I do think this was, that one was pretty easy. I'll come better next time with another one. That one okay. wasn't as fun as some of the others that I've done. Like that was, that one was pretty straightforward, I think. I like that one though. Uh, we also need to get Tucker to do a TikTok using nunchucks. Oh, now. I will buy you nunchucks, Tucker. <laughs> that is going to do it for 21 questions for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Give this a like, give it a share, subscribe to the channel, five stars on Apple podcast or Spotify. Go give us those ratings. All of that stuff helps us. All of that stuff increases visibility so that we can bring more of these to you. That being said, we will be back next week with the lab and more 21 questions. We will catch you later.